0: Now to uh, to Claire, who will take us through the the more legal aspects of uh, um, um, uh, the tokenization, uh, and because there's a lot uh, on the wagon at the moment, the EU is very active. Uh, we see that basically all the local governments are very active on this field. So, uh, Claire, we're very much looking forward to hearing uh, your views on this and uh, taking our uh, our viewers through the the legal landscape. And the viewers can also pose questions, right? So. Uh... No, exactly. It's good to emphasise that again. Perhaps, uh, indeed, is that uh, you could all, uh, if you type your questions in the Q and A box, uh, we'll uh, moderate them, and uh, if if you're lucky, I'll get them here on the screen and try to post them to the, to our, uh, our our panel or the speakers uh, at the moment.
1: Many thanks, Don and Alex. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm a lawyer at uh, CMS. I've been uh, involved in uh, various uh, tokenization projects in the field of energy, real estate, STOs, uh, and I'm very happy to be an advisory board member of Two Tokens. They work on very exciting uh, projects, and I'm sure that Alex and uh, Marlene will um, explore those um, uh, use cases in more detail uh, today. Uh, Well, the the legal aspects of tokenization, maybe it's not the most exciting uh, part of a tokenization initiative, but I think it's very important because um, it can have major impact on the feasibility, uh, the cost and the timing of a um, a token initiative. If you need to to get a registration or if you need to get a, a license, that will take time. Uh, well, as in um, in other um, uh, European countries, in the Netherlands we have implemented the uh, fifth anti-money laundering uh, directive, and as a result, crypto service providers uh, need to comply with the uh, anti-money laundering act. And we also have our first uh, legal definition, uh, at least, uh, for virtual currency. Okay. Um, What does it mean? Uh, It means that um, crypto service providers uh, need to register with the Dutch Central Bank. Uh, You are a crypto service provider if you uh, exchange virtual currency into fiduciary currencies. So if you uh, exchange cryptos, for instance, into euros, um, you do not need to register if you uh, exchange uh, uh, bitcoins into um, Ripple, for instance. You also need to register if you offer um, custodian wallet services. Well, you need to register before you uh, intend to provide these services in the Netherlands. uh, And you can do so by filing a form with the Dutch Central Bank. what you need to do, you need to provide information on your business, uh, the policy and certain uh, uh, shareholders will need to be tested. You need to provide information on how you will comply with the uh, AML requirements. So, so far so good, but in practice it is not that easy. Uh, so far only 15 um, uh, crypto service providers have been um, included in the uh, public register of the uh, DCB. Uh, And, uh, well, a significant number of uh, parties is still in the registration process. And also a significant uh, number of um, crypto service providers uh, decided not to proceed, which means that they um, cannot offer these services in the Netherlands, Um, including uh, one of my clients. It was just not feasible for them to comply with the uh, AML and Sanction Act uh, requirements imposed by the uh, Dutch Central Bank. Um, This is also an issue that has been raised by um, uh, uh, the Dutch Association of uh, Bitcoin Companies. Uh, In November, they sent a letter to the uh, Dutch Central Bank and said, well, the requirements imposed by the Dutch Central Bank are are too strict. Uh, They go beyond the uh, European requirements um, and uh, that will affect our our, uh, position in Europe. Because that would uh, also, be my question, uh,
0: Claire. How does this compare to other European countries?
1: Uh, yes. Well, I must say um, <laughs> it, it's difficult to 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 uh, to assess the requirements in other countries. But um, as well, CMS has offices in, also in Luxembourg and in Germany. And when I speak to my colleagues, I indeed have the impression that it is that they might have a point that it is. Uh, it is possible that uh, the um, uh, restriction imposed by the dutch central bank um well are are, are more strict than when you compare it for instance uh, in luxembourg. Uh, well, but also uh, um, uh, the Dutch Minister of Finance got involved uh, before he resigned, uh, Bobke Hoekstra. Um, so I think we will have to see and wait what will happen with all the um, uh, uh, crypto service providers that are still in the process of their registration Um, I think what is very helpful is that the um, uh, Dutch Central Bank provided some guidance on when you are deemed to be active in the Netherlands, because uh, we received a lot of questions uh, on that subject. Um, It was um, not clear uh, if you were deemed to be active in the Netherlands and if you should uh, have uh, uh, registered in the Netherlands. If you um, uh, pay a search engine, if you want to if you really target Dutch customers, if you include reviews of Dutch customers on your website, you will be, uh, <laughs> uh, these are factors that, that are relevant to assess if you are active in the Netherlands. Um, and if so, I think you should have a careful look and see if you need to register with the um, Dutch Central Bank. Um, well, maybe before we dive into uh, what is, in my view, the most important uh, development, uh, uh, Mika or uh, uh, my car, um, is, I think it's good to look at the existing regulatory framework. Uh, because if you issue tokens, it is possible uh, that you are under supervision uh, under the existing regulatory framework. Uh, often this classification has been used. Uh, if you look at the economic function of tokens, you have uh, investment tokens, a token used, um, for funding they can have the characteristics of, of, of bonds or shares um, and uh, these um, uh, can be regulated unless you can make use of an exemption uh, the same applies for payment tokens of so tokens that are used uh, for value transfers they can qualify as uh, electronic money um, well it is possible that you need to register as a crypto service provider Uh, Please also bear in mind the uh, prohibition to uh, attract or have the disposal of redeemable funds. Uh, So unless you can make use of an exemption, um, you can be regulated. And then we have utility tokens. Um, These tokens uh, give access to um, a specific application or or network, um, and these are typically not regulated. Uh, but you should always look at the characteristics of a token and see if you fall within the scope of the existing regulatory framework. Yep. Okay. Um, yes, this, this is not a complete overview, I, I should say. Uh, but if your token qualifies as a security, uh, you need to have an approved prospectus. There are also very useful exemptions. Um, or if you, uh, your token qualifies as a unit in a collective investment scheme, the manager should have a license. Um, and uh, securities uh, units in a collective investment scheme, but also uh, other financial instruments, um, it's, it's, it's good to note that the uh, service provider, so the, the platform or the, the advisor that makes specific recommendations, they will be regulated. They need a MIFID license.
0: Yeah, does it come down, Claire, to basically the situation that? Uh, it's it's about the, the the relationship that you enter into with your client uh, or basically the product that you're talking about that determines to a large extent the regulatory regime that you fall under uh, regardless of the technology that you use right?
1: Yes right and and um, uh, you should really look at the the, the uh, characteristics of your token and how you present your token to the market. Um, for instance, uh, <laughs> I've seen several market parties that said, well, my token is a utility token. I'm not regulated. But if you look at the token, uh, well, it, it, it provided for um, uh, a return on investment. It was possible to trade the token. It was possible that uh, they had some, some voting rights. Um, so if you look at the, the Howey test um, that they have in the US based on case law, you could say it really was an investment. So then you, um, I think you should uh, have a careful look at your token again and maybe it does qualify as a security, which means that you um, need to have a prospectus and it means that the platform where the token is traded uh, well needs a MIFID license. Uh, I think this this is already included on on my next slide, so (laughs) good question. Um, uh, I've also seen um, uh, um, what's also very popular is tokenization projects um, with respect to uh, real estate. Art or or ships for instance and where you have such um, uh, collective uh, investment uh, where you also uh, can have a a return on your investment you should be careful that it can qualify as a unit in a collective uh, investment scheme which means that uh, you might need a license uh, or you should register for the uh, sub-threshold regime Uh, but I, I really would like to point out there are restrictions but there are also a lot of Uh, useful exemptions, especially for um, uh, private placements or for small offerings. So if you want to see if there is investor appetite, um, you can make use of such exemption. And um, if it's a success, uh, apply for a license or uh, or, or convert into uh, another structure. So maybe we should move on to, uh, I think, uh, the most uh, relevant uh, development we have. Um, And that's the digital finance package. Uh, In September, the uh, the European Commission uh, uh, adopted the digital finance package. Uh, It includes a digital finance strategy, um, a proposal for regulations on markets in um, crypto assets. I I will refer to it as MiCA, but as it is a regulation, uh, maybe we should um, refer to it as as MICAR or MICAR. Um, and there's also a proposal for um, uh, a pilot regime, which is also very very interesting and uh, maybe a good subject for the uh, uh, panel discussion. But I, given the time, I, w- I will focus on, um, on Micah. And
0: Lennart is in the call. He can explain yeah. about the, pa- but yeah, the regime. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, very good. Well, Micah is a very comprehensive uh, proposal. It's 150 pages and um, basically... Uh, it will cover all crypto assets but also uh, services that relate to crypto assets. So it will also cover uh, utility tokens, uh, stable coins um, and the parties that provide custody services, uh, provide um, investment recommendation. But what I think it's, it's good to note that it will not apply to uh, crypto assets that uh, qualify as financial instruments. So also uh, after um, uh, MICA, you still should look at your token and see if it qualifies as a, as a security or a unit in a collective investment scheme. Um, and to a certain extent, um, it will also not apply to um, electronic money. But there are some um, exemptions. Well... Um, Maika does provide us with some uh, useful um, uh, definitions. Maybe um, uh, we can go to the key elements given the time. Um, As I said, it it is a a very, very broad proposal. Um, But I think um, uh, to highlight a a few uh, requirements, um, crypto asset service providers, so uh, parties that... um, uh, provide platform services, uh, in, in, um, advice, uh, investment advice um, that transmit orders. They will all be caught by MICA. Um, they need to apply for an authorization uh, and they need to have physical presence in the EU. Uh, I think what's very positive about MICA is that it provides for European passports. So if you are authorized um, in the Netherlands, you can also provide these services. Um, in, in, in Germany and in the other countries in the EU, which I think is very helpful because um, uh, most of the tokenization initiatives uh, have no boundaries.
0: Just to ask um, a question here, Claire, how, this, how is this going to affect what the Dutch Central Bank is proposing with the service providers? Is this going to have an effect or is this going to touch one another? or do you, What do you yes. see?
1: There definitely is an overlap, so I think we have to wait and see uh, um, uh, how they will handle that. But I think if you already applied for um, um, for um, uh, as a crypto service provider, um, I think you will comply with well with with one element of the uh, requirements that you need to comply with to, crypt, to get the um, uh, authorization as um, crypto asset service provider. Um, <coughs> I think what's also um, interesting is that uh, MICA provides for a regime on uh, market abuse, so uh, inside information should be uh, made public and there's a prohibition on um, insider dealing and uh, market manipulation and uh, issuers of uh, crypto assets need to uh, publish information. Uh, on their crypto asset and depending on the on the type of token there are more um, uh, More strict rules to comply with uh, for instance for uh, for stable coins um, Well, I uh, um, said Sorry, Dom.
0: No, no, no. Yeah, I think we we have to uh, it's, it's I think it's really interesting uh, How you can, uh, the overview that you're giving but at, at the same time the, time the clock is ticking <laughs> quite fast so yeah. uh, can you can you wrap it up? Um, um, I think we'll touch upon the thestro subjects, I think, in the panel discussion.
1: Perfect. Yeah, well, maybe one note, Mica is a regulation, so it will have a direct effect in the Netherlands. So if it has been adopted at the European level, it will uh, have immediate effect in the Netherlands. And uh, well, maybe um, uh, the AFM has a, has a view on this, but um, it's expected to uh, be effective. Uh, maybe next year, maybe in in two years, we will see. Um, and I think um, Mica also should be implemented in the uh, two tokens roadmap. So uh, maybe. Oh, we'll get to that fun. right
0: now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's a nice bridge. Uh, thank you, Claire. Uh, it's a really really nice overview. I think.